the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider on this Memorial Day weekend. As you know, I first look at the news highlights of the past week, and then I share my special guest in the interview segment. And this week, that's Father David Holshoff. Director of Apostolic Formation at the Pontifical North American College in Rome. There are a number of apostolates that are mandatory for all seminarians during their formation years, such as working with the poor and homeless, with refugees, visiting patients in hospitals, being a guide in St. Peter's Basilica, and working in an Italian parish. Father David explains the apostolates offered at NAC, and you will revel in his passion and joy for the priesthood, the apostolates, and especially for the current class of seminarians. You'll come away with a great feeling of hope, even joy, for the future of the Church in America, and astonishment at the training that seminarians have. It is not just theology and philosophy. Father's wonderful stories will put a big smile on your face. And now to the top news stories of the week, a bit shorter than usual because of the time I dedicate to Father David. Sunday, May 21st. At the Regina Chaley, Pope Francis made the plea, Let us not get used to conflict and violence, as he called for the international community to promote dialogue in Sudan and to continue to stand by the tormented people of Ukraine. He also mentioned the celebration of World Communications Day, observed each year on the Sunday before Pentecost. Francis then noted the beginning of Laudato Si week. He said, I invite everyone to work together for the care of our common home. There is so much need to bring together expertise and creativity. Monday, May 22nd. The Holy Father welcomed Slovenia's President Natasha Musar, Discussions were cordial, and appreciation was expressed for the positive bilateral relations and the contribution of the Catholic Church to society. In fact, more than half of Slovenians are Catholic. The Pope also received members of the Society of Divine Vocations, also known as vocationists, as they celebrate the first anniversary of the canonization of their founder, St. Giusino Maria Rosolillo. He encouraged them to continue their work in helping people discern their vocations following the path of their founder. Tuesday, May 23rd was a quiet day in the Vatican, but Wednesday, May 24th, Pope Francis held the general audience in St. Peter's Square, and he continued his cycle of catechesis on the passion for evangelization, the apostolic zeal of the believer. And this week he focused on St. Andrew Kim Taegon, Korea's first native-born priest. Greeting Catholics in China, Francis said, Today is the World Day of Prayer for the Catholic Church in China. It coincides with the Feast of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Help of Christians, venerated at the Shrine of Our Lady of Shashan in Shanghai. Francis shared the hopes and joys of our brethren in China, He prayed for consolation and encouragement for those who suffer, and he invited everyone to pray to God that the good news of Christ crucified and risen may be proclaimed in its fullness, beauty, and freedom. 
bearing fruit for the good of the Catholic Church and all of Chinese society. On Thursday, May 25th, the Pope addressed the Italian Bishops' Conference as it concluded its 77th General Assembly. He encouraged the Italian Church to continue its synodal process with courage and determination, above all, by valuing the potential present in its parishes and Christian communities. Francis offered four recommendations to the conference. Keep walking, guided by the Holy Spirit. Enhance ecclesial co-responsibility by involving all the baptized in the life and mission of the Church. Be a church open to everyone, able to listen to the voices of young people, women, the poor, those who are disillusioned, and those who have been hurt in their lives. And lastly, he urged them to be a restless church that welcomes the challenges of our time, that knows how to go out to everyone to proclaim the joy of the gospel without prejudice. Also Thursday, Pope Francis, as he welcomed the little missionary sisters of charity in an audience, told them, Serve the poor, the little ones, those afflicted by every evil and pain, with sleeves rolled up like good mothers, with compassion, creativity, and imagination, and in charity. Also known as the Don Orione Sisters, for their founder, St. Luigi Orione, the order is dedicated to performing acts of charity among the poor, handicapped, orphans, elderly, and often other discarded members of society. A mother never gives up in the face of her children's needs. She never lets them lack attention, surprises, tenderness, and even the necessary reproaches. She manages to invent solutions and unexpected remedies, even in the face of difficult situations or the incomprehension of others. It's because a mother loves, and love makes one free and creative. Also Thursday... The Vatican released Pope Francis' message for the 2023 World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation on the theme, Let Justice and Peace Flow, inspired by the words of the prophet Amos. Let justice flow on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Thursday afternoon, Pope Francis participated in the closing session of the Scholus Occurrentes event on eco-educational cities, bringing together 50 mayors from Latin America and Europe. Papal reflections, often off the cuff, included the possibility of a trip to Argentina, a stark condemnation of bullying that destroys life, the invitation to respect each person as they are in their authenticity, the dangers for the many children who do not finish school, and the alarm over the spread of pornography and the commercialization of love, of which adolescents in particular are victims. Friday, May 26th, after a completely full Thursday agenda, there were no events or audiences on Pope Francis's calendar. Well, those are the news highlights of the week, but don't move. Stay here for my conversation with Father David Holshoff. By the way... Don't forget to wear red this Sunday. It's Pentecost, and red is the color of the day. This is Father Joseph Itona from the Fathers of Mercy. We need Catholic Radio to spread the truths of Jesus Christ and His Church. 
The more we feed our souls with good, solid, orthodox content, which is faithful to the magisterium of the Church, the more we can love God and spread that love to our neighbor. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. Church Pop takes a fresh and fun look at the news shaping our world, featuring engaging, inspiring, and informative Catholic social media content. Find it on Snapchat, Instagram, and on the web at churchpop.com. And you can get Church Pop emailed directly to your inbox. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, I want to welcome my listeners to another special event, another special interview for Vatican Insider. And my guest today is Father David Hulsoff. He's the Director of Apostolic Formation and a Formation Advisor at the North American College. And you all know from previous shows that we call it NAC here in Rome. Father's going to tell you a little bit about his background before we go into his specific work here. So, Father David, welcome. Well, nice to be with you, Joan. I really appreciate this opportunity of sharing a little bit about the knack and oh, particularly, sure. particularly about uh, our apostolic ministry. Yes. Um, I was a student here at NAC uh, from 1977 until 1981, beginning of 82. Uh, and it was a wonderful time for my own personal formation in anticipation of priesthood. Uh, I come from southeast Missouri. I come from a family, which I'm the oldest of six, I have five siblings. Oh. And I'm very blessed that my parents are still living uh, at this time. They're going to be celebrating their 69th wedding anniversary God this, this summer. Unbelievable, you know. And so God willing, uh, we'll have an opportunity to celebrate that a little bit with them as I return back to the States at the, during the summer. But my uh, vocation really developed out working on the family farm. Uh, I enjoyed farming with my father and my brother. I had four sisters who we were all involved. Uh, but I felt God was calling me to something else. And it was out of that experience, uh, reflecting out, working on the farm, that I eventually uh, went in seminary, uh, went through that process and, and uh, the formation. And, and ended up in my last four years here at the North American College. And now, my bishop having received a letter from the college a little over two years ago, almost three years now, about requesting me to come back on the faculty, uh, here I am. <laughs> here you are, and I'm from the Midwest too, born and raised near Chicago, so we are from that great part of America, the amen, Midwest. Amen. You know. Now, just to explain a little bit too how we met, several events were hosted by EWTN recently in Rome, and there was a premiere, the, a film that we did, a documentary on the Pontifical North American College. And then we met at another event recently than at the Knights of Malta. To help my listeners understand a little better about your work here today, which you'll be explaining beautifully, but tell us about your background because I saw an, an article in Roman Echoes, your magazine here, and as a seminarian, as you said here, from 1977 to 81, you worked in three different apostolates. So tell us about those apostolates. Yes, that's correct. I, when I arrived here, usually the first semester, the first-year men are getting uh, acclimatized or you know, acclimated to um, 
just life here in Rome, the language, the culture, etc. But the second semester of your first year, you begin to work in a, in a ministry uh, that's available to uh, many, many ministries that are available to the students. My work in that second semester of my first year and into my second year was at the house serving men from the street, San Gregorio, uh, next to the Circus Maximus. Oh, sure. It was working with the missionaries of charity there. Uh, who it was a soup kitchen. Uh, we took other care of other needs, cleaning, etc., and engaged the men as we served food or washed the dishes thereafter. It was a great opportunity of, of encountering these men and uh, and engaging my Italian <laughs> in oh, conversation sure. as well. You know, so oh, absolutely. That was my first one. After that, had the opportunity to work in a hospital here in Rome, visiting patients, oh. and uh, it was on a women's floor actually. Women who were dealing with. Um, various bone diseases, and uh, would go in on a Sunday and just spend some time going from room to room, talking with these uh, ladies who were dealing with these various health issues and talking about faith, family, all of those kind of things. Some moving experiences. Uh, if we have some time later on, I can share about a powerful thing that happened in, in some of those conversations. Uh, but it, again, a wonderful opportunity. My last Apostolate. I had three apostles in those four years. Was working as a deacon in an Italian parish, oh. very close next door, Sant'Onofrio, which is next door to Bambino Gesù, the sure. hospital here. And I was serving as a deacon there, so preaching, and we were doing youth ministry and things like that. So uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, all, all of them. Well, I can say the few times I've been in a hospital in Rome, um, it was always a Catholic hospital. I would be awakened in the morning, where you're always awakened very early, um, with communion. Mm-hmm. And that was so meaningful. And then a priest always wanted to know, if he came back later in the day, did I need to discuss? It wasn't so much a need as it was just um, two people of faith. Mm-hmm. But it made um, a big difference. Just starting out my day that way, couldn't go to Mass, but... Mass, the Eucharist came to me. It was wonderful. So, well, let me share with you very quickly uh, no, about this this opportunity I had visiting this one particular woman who had, uh, from what we can understand, a terminal uh, bone disease in her leg. She was unable to walk. Every time I went into her room, and we and I was beginning to know Italian better at that time, I'd listen to her prayer to God, and I would have a simple conversation. And she was saying, "God, you know I want to walk." But if I cannot, if that is not going to be possible for me, then give, give me the grace to live my life well, whatever time. And it was month after month, a very sincere, powerful wow. prayer. After my work that semester, I went to work uh, in Europe during the summer, came back to visit her again. And I got there, and I went to the room, and she was gone. And I said to the uh, person, we did to move her to another room. And, and they said to me in Italian, Le è andata, which means she is gone. And usually when that's said, you mean she did move out or something. But no, they meant she literally, or, or that often e andata means like you died or something. But yeah. literally, she had gotten up one day and walked out of the hospital. Oh, my Honest God. to God. I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. And they said, no, just one day she got up and walked out. Well, because if I heard Le and that, I would have presumed she died. Yes. Because that was right. is very often the expression. She either got moved to another location. Oh, sure. Or that she died. And because of the expression in Italian. But in this case, they said they meant she got up and she's gone. You know, and I was just, oh my gosh. My first experience really of a, I would say a miracle in the sense of what we knew about her condition. But it also had to have an impact on you about the value of having faith. 
Exactly. Because this lady's faith yes, is so powerful. She said that to you, and I mean, you knew that she was praying to God. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't walk, at least help me accept it and live well. And you want to be an example to others if you can be when you're very sick. If you can share that with Christ, uh, passion, not you know even a millionth of what he suffered, but just a little offer it to him, you know he's going to smile back on you. Many of the apostles we have today that our men are working with are involved with the sick, the poor, the suffering, which helps develop compassionate skills for our men here. Well, um, there's a young man in Chicago who I gave him a chalice that had been in my family for many, many years. It was given by grandparents to a priest in Chicago on the very day in 1927 that Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, was born. Eventually, the chalice came back to me when the priest who got it died, came to my, my family, and um, I saw that date on it, and so I actually got Pope Benedict to say Mass with it. Oh, and then I, I gave this to Father Brady in Chicago. But Father was telling me of his phenomenal experience in the hospital mm-hmm. and, and what you learn. And he said probably the best and the worst time was when parents had just lost their, their newborn. He had just arrived at the hospital mm-hmm. and he was told to go in and comfort these people and that was kind of like the last thing he expected but a hospital is where people right. heal and die and, but he said it was a huge learning experience to him and he said it was much more listening and being there than it was just talking his head off very you true know? about attentive listening attentive listening yeah. and we try to develop that among our students our seminarians and I've had now as a priest I've had those settings where I've been with Families who've lost a child, SIDS, or, you know, at the moment of of birth or something like that. And so you offer them the graces, the comfort of the church, the sacraments. If they're living when they are born there, you can baptize them immediately or or whatever. So, you know, these are powerful moments. And and our apostolic ministries here in the city, whether it's in hospitals or churches or schools, are preparing these men, our men, for uh, future ministry as priests, certainly. Absolutely. And I think the importance of listening to people or just having the silent moment, you're all praying, it shows them it's about them, it's not about you. But listening is means you care. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. Exactly. You know. Now, you know, I know on the uh, website for NAC, there are four levels of formation, human, intellectual, pastoral, and spiritual. But in the times that you and I have met and talked, and of course in this documentary, it seems like your work kind of encompasses all of those. It does. Um, Officially, we would be under the pastoral, the outreach ministry, the apostolic, meaning being sent. Uh, Our men are sent. They spend two to three hours every week on the average of ministry out in the city in various settings of teaching, catechizing, evangelizing, uh, compassionate work, serving the poor, uh, all kinds of different uh, settings, the prison ministry, refugee ministry, it's across the board, really. But really, when you, as you well said, Joan, when you have a conversation with these men and their ministries, they're intertwined, they're dove- they dovetail. You can't, ju- it's, it's like, you know, you can't say, I love God, but not love your neighbor and have that dovetailing. And when you are about service, you're also engaging them in a spiritual way because you're, you're doing this not not as a, uh, a social worker, which are needed, but as, as representing Christ. That's why sure. these guys are there. So there's a connection with the spiritual, and certainly connection with their human formation. Intellectually, they might be engaging college students. We have eight campuses that we serve. Yes. Intellectually, they might be engaging college students about questions of the faith, 
uh, questions about life. So, so they're using the knowledge they have received from the, the universities they've been attending uh, so they can know the doctrine, so they can convey that in the level that's needed for whomever they're engaging. So, yes, all four of these human dimension, all four rather of these dimensions of formation, whether it's human or pastoral or intellectual, or spiritual, are intertwined sure. uh, to make the kind of to help develop the kind of priests that we desire. Well, tell me about the young men of today, the seminarians, and um, you know what would be some of the differences between being a seminarian now, let's say, some of these apostolates, and, and your days. Well, certainly we have some of the same apostles, although we've developed others as well. Uh, so there's been some transitioning in the apostolic work, obviously, over 40 years. Sure. Uh, but um, what I find with these men that I'm edified by is that they have really, and, and we all, I don't care what generation you might be talking with regards to the priesthood. All of us want to be good, holy priests. We want to serve the people of God because we believe God has called us to imitate Christ, his son, in the world in which we live. What I've found about these men, though, is as they develop their spiritual life, and I think they're better preachers today, at least here that we're preparing them at the college good. than we were, uh, they're getting a much more training in that uh, and opportunities for what we call practica, uh, practices and things. Um, well, my listeners just heard Father Cameron, who teaches homiletics. Right. Oh, he, so, oh, he did. Well, so he's doing, completing he's, our studies. He, he is doing a wonderful job yeah. with our men because I sit in and we moderate those. Uh, our other faculty members were listening and, and engaging. Um, but what I found about these men is they take very seriously, as, we, as all priests do, they are coming out of a time of recent church history in which the church has gone through some, obviously, trauma in the sense of uh, the, the sex abuse crisis, oh, the, all these other different things. So they know, here's something that they, this part of their life that was not a part of mine. They're coming out of this recent history, so they know it's not only important to live a good life, a holy life as a priest, a life of service to the people of God, but it's important to witness it. We wanted to witness it too, but we did not have the recent past that they have had. Sure. They know how important it is for the people of God to see young men coming and serving in their parishes who are really taken to heart the holiness that they're called to, uh, the service that they're called to, the approachability, the availability, the compassion that, that is needed for the sure. people who are hurting in the world today. And, and one thing is different in 40 years, obviously, we've got many more families that are struggling in various ways and relationships. The issues today that we're that, that we, we have to engage in a very pastoral way. Um, oh, issues that did oh not exist 40 Transgender, years ago. all of these kinds of things. Exactly. I mean, you even have bioethics. Exactly. You have priests who, you know, all of a sudden, in vitro fertilization, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So you have so many issues. And you have to be, all of you, well-informed and constantly informed and formed to be able to, as you said, be good witnesses and be good priests as the Lord intended you to be. Living it well, living it well. Uh, and that's, I just encourage our men, I said, live your lives well. The people want to see happy, holy priests. That's what they want. Oh. You know, they, they want to see a, a man of joy uh, going out there and engaging the people, having those opportunities uh, to banter. They, you know, with, with, I think people love a real priest, somebody who's a man of God, uh, well, it shows you're happy what you're doing. You weren't forced into this. Exactly. You don't have exactly. a life of deprivation. Exactly. 
Joy helps in anything. You can be a joyful waiter right. in a restaurant, and, and it certainly <laughs> exactly. helps, it exactly. helps you, you, the client, you know. You know, I'm impressed by the fact that even with all the challenges that we've gone through in the more recent history, you're still, the church is still getting, and I, and I want to encourage your listeners to know this, the church is still calling forth and receiving good men out there. I look at the, this next group we got coming in this fall. There's about 30 new men coming here. And I was talking to our admissions director, and he says, my gosh, Father Dave, you should have seen their transcripts. Not only are they they're knowledgeable, educated, but they're various successes in sports or music or all these different things, and very approachable, available to people. We're looking at all kinds of skills, and, and, and it's just incredible. God is calling these really fine men uh, to consider priesthood, and they're coming here for that purpose. Well, you really make me happy by hearing that because if this is not the first time. I'm, I'm hearing it about other seminaries, you know, priests I know, I mean, Mundelein or something in sure. Chicago, that the generation coming in is really setting itself aside as being extraordinarily well prepared before they walk in the front door. They've had life experiences, uh, and out of those experiences, they're, they're bringing the best of those in, in their ongoing formation now looking at priesthood. And, of course, those who come in these last four years, there is a certain level of uh, presumption of permanence. We use that ex- expression, <laughs> meaning that more than likely the men who come here, and I would say many of them who go into the four, last four years uh, of preparation, the four years of theology, they've come to a point where they recognize, yes, I think God is calling me. You're, of course, you're going to have yeah. some that we say discerned out at exactly. some point. But uh, And that's a good thing, because we don't want them to continue if, if this is not really oh, sure. where God is calling them. Uh, and they'll be fine, uh, either married men or single men, back at home in their parishes, local, wherever they are. But those, the, the majority, the great majority of those who, who come here, and, and it's true pretty much of major seminaries, they're going to go through. And, and we need to be about, that's what we're trying to do here at the NAC, be the best that we can be to help to form them, prepare them. Uh, it gives me great joy, actually in this latter part of my own priesthood to have an opportunity to help form the next generation of priests. So I, I resonate with that. Oh. As much as I enjoyed diocesan and ministry, and, and we'll return to that after my time sure. here at the North American on, as director of, of apostolic formation. Uh, but having this opportunity, it's just like a parent. You want to do the very best you can for your children, sure. send them out into the world. We want to prepare these men the best we can. Yeah. Well, I mean, just think of how many lives... You will change down the road because you're changing lives here. Young men who are in the near future are going to be priests, they're going to be pastors, and they are going to be with hundreds of families and influence people. So it's the you know stone you throw out there in a, in a pool or a pond and, and, and the ripple effect. Well, that's all the time I have today with Father David, but come back next week when, with the same passion and enthusiasm, he tells us more about the various apostolates undertaken by the seminarians at NAC as they minister to the poor and homeless, refugees, prisoners, and patients in hospitals. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.